With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. In a tiny apartment in Southern California, two college dropouts teamed up to start a watch brand that broke all the rules. With clean, innovative designs, unexpected colors, and unbeatable value, Movement became the fastest-growing watch brand in the world. Every bold, modern design is dreamed up at Movement's California headquarters. And now, everything is on sale for their ninth birthday celebration. You can save big with 25% discounts on watches, jewelry, sunnies, blue light eyewear, and more lifestyle essentials. And for the first time this year, Movement's best-selling, innovatively made ceramic watches are on sale too. Elevate your own look or give someone an amazing gift that won't break the bank. But looks like it did. There's never been a better time to join the Movement. Get the best prices of the year with Movement's site-wide 25% off anniversary sale and enjoy free shipping, free returns, and a two-year guarantee on everything they make. Just go to MVMT.com. That's MVMT.com. Before we do get started this week, just a reminder that this podcast is brought to you by our partners over at FansBet. Remember, FansBet are committed to sharing 50% of their net profit with fans around the country, helping out with fan initiatives and causes. To see more from them, do head over to the website, fansbet.com, or over to their Twitter page, which is at FansBet. Here's your podcast. It's the Blue Room, it's the weekly show on Radio City Talk, and we're here to talk all things Everton with you for the next hour or so. Unfortunately, it's not that positive at the moment after the third loss in succession in the Premier League against Manchester City at the weekend. Uh, but we're going to try and keep spirits high as we look ahead to Burnley, and here with me in the studio to do that are Jake Mills. Jake, good to have you back on, mate. I know, I think I said ages ago I'm, I'm only doing it when we're good, and, uh, <laughs> and then we're basically scraping the barrel now, so there was there was a glimmer of hope on, on Saturday, so I'm yeah. back. Well, you had the opportunity to come in last week after the uh, Sheffield Wednesday win, <laughs> yeah. of course. Uh, but you thought, yeah. I'll, I'll wait for the City one instead, make yeah, a glorious yeah. return. Yeah, exactly that, because I thought, you know, false hopes and all that. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'll be the positive one. I, I can feel it today. Les, how, how are you feeling about it all? I'm still in a bad mood with them. <laughs> Honestly, after, after Bournemouth and Sheffield United, mm. I think that just broke me. And I'm still not impressed with them. You're not at the reconciliatory talk with them, yeah? No. Not at all, no. no. I'm still in si- separate beds and all that. I'm sat in a darkened room waiting for them to come in. Yeah. Basically, that's it, yeah. <laughs> still staying stubborn in that yeah. regard. Uh, but yeah, we'll talk a little bit about Manchester City. Uh, look ahead to Burnley, of course. And with that in mind, in the final part of the show, there's going to be an extract from our weekend preview show where I spoke to Natalie Bromley from the No Nay Never podcast about what Everton can expect at Turf more at the weekend. Um, but before we get into that, um, some relatively big Everton-related news over the weekend. Jake, uh, Tim Howard has, has hung up his boots, or his gloves, you could say. Um, I think he was released by the Colorado Rapids uh, n- not too long ago and everyone sort of thought he'd retired anyway but now he has officially retired um, yeah. how, how do you reflect on his, his time at Everton? Well I'm glad that you just clarified that because I thought he did <laughs> retire like months ago It's um, hard to keep track isn't it? When yeah, over there, because yeah. It, I'm, I'm sure we've done exactly this this thing like a good few months ago where we all <laughs> talked about you know Tim Howard retiring and then Maybe you retired from international footy? I don't know I think he's just milked it I'm fair play <laughs> uh, I would uh, Yeah I think uh, I think we're a lot of footballers um, 
as the career kind of dies away, if you will, uh, or the form does, we we sometimes remember that more than the mm. than the good and the positive. Um, it did feel a little bit like that near the end, but I think now with the time away, we're able to reflect and on what a, what a great keeper he actually was. Um, a bit elusive at times, a little bit kind of um, emotional at times. Maybe he did make some mistakes, and his star jumps will, you know, forever be remembered. <laughs> yeah. uh, but all in all, he, he was he was a great keeper for us, and I think a great servant for the club as well. I thought he'd retired in 2014, to be honest. <laughs> you can have that got, one. I think he got a new five-year contract. <laughs> yeah, he, he did. Yeah. Yeah. Needs to be um, fair, after the World Cup. Yeah, yeah, the Secretary of Defence. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's harsh on him because that'll be his biggest legacy, I suppose. Those last couple of years under Martinez when he was he was playing when he was clearly out of form, and that's what people sort of remember him with. I mean, he was a good keeper for us. You know, don't get me wrong. We signed what three million mm. from United. He was a good keeper and very good for that money. Um, he had a couple of dodgy moments, as uh, you alluded to, then Jake with the star jumps and stuff like that, and he threw a couple in. But I think as a keeper, that just gets magnified. I mean, we've had defenders make mistakes yeah. over the years. Strikers miss sitters. It gets forgotten about pretty quickly, unless it's a big, high-profile game. But, you know, he, he threw one in at Blackburn one time, I remember. First day of the season, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and, you know, it gets remembered because it's a goalkeeper. Um, yeah. So it, it, it's, a, it's a hard position. I'm goalkeeper's union because of Joe, aren't I? The youngest <laughs> lad's a goalie. Would um, you say overall, though, like, I know maybe near the, the end of his Everton career, but overall, would you say that you ever felt nervous about him as a keeper? Not, not until those last couple of seasons, but then that could have been as much down to Martin as a defender than anything, yeah. couldn't it? Mm. The whole thing yeah. just sort of fell apart then. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think you know. I don't think anyone should give him a rough time. Mm. I think but, yeah, just what just what Jake was saying there. I think's a really good point actually because you, you sort of go in the match between like, when did he sign about two thousand seven? Mm. So probably from about two thousand and eight up until two thousand fourteen. And obviously, after he comes back from the World Cup, he was, I don't think he was ever quite the same keeper again, really, from that mm. point on. But I think during those years, I think I think you're right. You, you sort of went the match and you'd think about, you know, the the issues with the defence or, you know, especially under Moyes, who's going to play up front and where the goal yeah. is going to come from. But you never really worried about, you never went into the game thinking of, you know, the, the you know maybe Dave Downey was notoriously <laughs> critical of him on, on this show down the years. But I certainly never went to Goodison Park during that spell thinking... Tim Howard's gonna gonna cost cost us today. Yeah, I, I suppose we never like we were never in the market for another keeper, were we? So no. that kind of says it all. Like normally, if your keeper's a bit dodgy, I mean, I remember Thomas Meyer had a good season, but then after yeah. that, after that one season, <laughs> I think he did, didn't he? <laughs> uh, but then after that one season, it was like we were constantly looking for a new keeper for about it seems like about ten yeah. years after that. Then we got Tim Howard, and it, well, after Nigel Martin, obviously, then we got Tim Howard, and it settled down. And we, we sort of never looked for another keeper. So yeah, I suppose that says it all. Really. Yeah, I think another thing about him as well is that he got it, didn't he? You know, he yeah. got the club, mm. he bought into the club and um, I think he still refers to himself as an Evertonian and I think that in itself, uh, you know, we, we appreciate that really, don't we? Yeah. I, you say about the milk in his retirement, remember his last game? Yeah, oh, remember yeah. coming when out onto the pitch? Out. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember what music it was, but it was, some, it was something quintessentially American, wasn't it? I can't, I can't remember exactly I what the tune was. But I, know, I, I can't remember, but can we all just pretend that it was living in America by... James Brown and <laughs> he came out with the hat on. It was something along those lines. Yeah, it was. If we just agreed that's what it was, and that's it. That's yeah. that's what it was. So if you remember differently, you are wrong because yeah. that's what it was. He had the bald eagle on his arm as well. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. whole lot. Yeah, <laughs> American flag fluttering in the background, behind the bald eagle on the screen. Yeah, I was going to say we'll look up what song it was in the, in the break, but you know, I'm happy to go with Jake's school, yeah. school of thought on there. Uh, but but no, um, you know, I think he's both right it's in terms of probably got kept in the team a little bit too long just because of how loyal he was to mm. Martinez and how he was very much one of his his sort of lieutenants in that regard. Um, but ultimately was involved in some of the, the, the best days we've had as yeah. Evertonians over the well certainly certainly my generation 2009 semi-final yeah, that, certainly stands out he, he was excellent that day in 90 minutes and, and in the penalties as well so, um, so yeah b- best wishes to, to Tim Howard of course um, back on to the current team then and well, a current goalkeeper who might be having issues in, in Jordan Pickford but uh, overall we'll, we'll talk about the performance first and foremost uh, Les you said you're still in separate rooms with, with them at the moment yeah. after, after the weekend um, to be honest most people I spoke to have been 
really positive. Well, not really positive, but certainly. <clears throat> so this is more of a, a step forward than a step back. The way Everton played at the weekend. Um, why are you feeling so downbeat about it still? I don't know if I've, if I've just become unbearably cynical now, but I don't really <laughs> see any green shoots. As you, as you were saying before, we kind of expected this display. So when we watch the score, which you can get on our YouTube channel, yeah, uh, the Blue Room. Yeah. <laughs> we're doing YouTube things now, so. Yes, yeah, have a look yeah. at that. Have a subscribe. It's usually just me and Les of various obscure places around town. Yeah, just talking for about fifteen minutes about what's going to happen at the weekend. It's very entertaining. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have a laugh anyway, don't we? <laughs> yeah, but I think we kind of expected that that performance that they'd come out, they'd, they'd play well, they'd give City a game, but it just wouldn't be enough. And, and that's how it that's how it turned out. But my issue is, if they can do that against City, they don't get to pick and choose who they turn up against. But it seems that they do get to pick and choose who they turn up against because they didn't turn up at Bournemouth. They didn't turn up against Sheffield United. I don't expect them to turn up against Burnley. So they don't have the right to turn up at Man City and put that performance in. If they prove me wrong at Burnley and put a performance like that in and we get a result sound, it could be the start of a run. You know, you get these performances and it kicks things off. I'm just not convinced that it will be. They're just doing me, I didn't. Honestly, that that 24-hour trip to Bournemouth just killed me, I think. I'm still (laughs) sore from that. (laughs) How, how did you feel after it, after it, Jake? I mean, obviously a lot a lot of people sort of upped and left after that fair goal went in, and you know we're, we're happy to get back into town and get on the way. And I think at the, at the final whistle, it's, you know, it's sort of a half empty stadium. There's a few murmurs, but there's a, a fair bit of applause as well. And I think yeah. to to like the sort of the wider sporting world, I can give the impression of a very disillusioned fan base who just really aren't happy with things at the moment. And I think while there's, there's certain sections of the fan base which are are very much in that camp. It feels as though a lot of people were happy with the players, with the, with the commitment and, and the way in which they went about it against a, a pretty decent side. Yeah, well, that, I think that's the point. In a pretty decent side, make no mistake about it. Man City are arguably the best on the land in the land at the moment. I, I, I don't actually dispute anything that Les has said. What I would say is I think that Everton have been incredibly unlucky that it was Man City who was the next game um, because I think whoever that next game was, we had to turn up. Mm. And I think everyone probably expect us to turn up and, and give a performance like that against City. And I, I, w- I would have liked it to have been anyone other than City, really, because that is the danger, all right, we, we, we the, the players turned up in my opinion uh, had City on the ropes at 2-1 for, for a mm-hmm. long long spell of the game um, but the tests I think were always going to be these next three games I don't even think it's the next game and mm. it's the next three games with, with uh, West Ham and Brighton as well they're the tests yeah. so I would have liked it if City wouldn't have been there and we would have been doing these tests mm. now uh, I, I don't know if I even agreed with the um with the selection, uh, because I think straight away there was people were were moaning, myself included, because if you were going to say there was going to be two changes to that team, they were literally the last two changes that you would have <laughs> you would have picked. Um, but I can't really knock many of them uh, for for the effort and the and the way that they played. I think for me, uh, what what has been really hard to watch is just the the one way of playing. Mm. And I think against City, well, I think in the Cup they done it, but against City, they actually showed different ways of, of playing and that was the most encouraging thing for me. Mm. And ironically, Seamus Coleman then pulls a, a performance out of the bag that when everyone's calling him to be dropped as well. Mm. So uh, there was enough from that for me to, to be uh, positive. But as I said, the next three games, in my opinion, are, are the actual biggest games that we've got. Yeah, it feels like City give you the chance to play don't they and you know yeah. you say about the one way of playing we've got there I think the one way of playing we do have where we're sort of good on the counter good with space to run into I think they they're suited for that and obviously that means you create chances against them but at the other end it means you're going to concede a lot of chances as well which which we did in the game you know they, they missed some clear opportunities to score more goals as much as as we could have maybe equalized um you meant you mentioned Seamus Coleman there um wanted to focus on on a couple of individuals uh Les you know, I think I think Jake's right in terms of Coleman. It's probably his best performance for mm-hmm. a long, long time for us. I was among the people saying that I, w- I wouldn't play him at the weekend after the way Sadibi did against Sheffield Wednesday as well. Um, but I think with him and it, you know, it's sort of it's sort of a bit of a theme with the season. Really, we've had a lot of players. You know, you think of Sigurdsson against Wolves, Richarlison against Wolves, Bernard against Watford. We've had a lot of players sort of putting a really good performance, and we've come on the show and we've said 
got to kick on now. It's yeah. got to be the foundation for something, and it's it, it's not quite been. I think Coleman, given to the EB coming into the side and, and looking quite handy. It's arguably more important for him to do it than anybody else in the squad. Yeah, definitely. He's under a lot of pressure now. Uh, I think the fact that he was dropped for Chef Wed and Dean was given the captaincy, that kind of spoke volumes that Silva's not, maybe not too afraid to drop him, even though he's captain. Um, hopefully, Sadibi is pushing him um, and it will give him the impetus to pull out performances like that more regularly. But that's the worry, isn't it? It's like it's one game and then everyone reverts back to type against Burnley and West Ham another old player has a really good game against him you know it might be enough to win us the game it might not we need everyone to be like all firing we need the whole team we can't have any passengers because there's key players missing Um, I think Michael Keane has looked just nowhere near the player of last season Mm. Kurt Zuma hasn't looked anywhere near the player of last season, so that that shows that some of those two. There's only one, one solution there. Well, that's it, that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. but I think that should go to Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think that shows the sum of the, the sum of those two is greater than the individual part or whatever the saying is. Mm. Um, and that that was a good partnership that's been broken up. Now Mina looks the better defender for me all day, but we need everyone to be like pulling in the same direction, putting in hundred percent, putting in hundred ninety percent. I think maybe. <laughs> um, and yeah, and just 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 like pulling out all the stops until we can get that sort of first choice team back because you know you, you can't underestimate the the blow that not having Gabamin, even though he's not really played for us, he was he was in the plans, wasn't he? Yeah. And we would and have Gomez, had a certain yeah. way of playing. And then Gomez as well. Yeah. It's you know it's a massive miss in the middle of the park. And yeah. um, so yeah, but <laughs> it's not it's it's not an enviable job at all as a, a, a football manager because what does he do now with Coleman? Because I think if I think you're exactly right, but do you risk that then? So Coleman comes in, starts next week, and then after ten minutes, you go, he's not that player that that yeah. we saw last week. Mm. So do you take him off? Did he take? Do you take it right back off in the first half? Mm. Not really. It always seems a waste of a substitution anyway. A right back, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. taking a full back off just don't really ever get changed. Uh, nah. yeah. I think I think with Coleman, it's. It's games like Burnley at the weekend where you imagine we'll have most of the ball, mm. and maybe not West Ham to a to a degree, but I think like some of the other like Sheffield Sheffield United where you, you you're asking fullbacks to do so much going forward, and I think while there's still you know he's still a bundle of energy and he bustles through tackles and you know he's he's aggressive and, and all those kinds of things, he's never been that cultured or you know he's not got never had that ingenuity on the ball in regards to getting crosses into the box mm. or linking up and i think that's where you've looked at the teams we played so far this season you think you're going to have loads of the ball can you pick out a cross can you beat a man and he's never been able to pick out a cross necessarily no. and he can't really beat a man anymore either so i think it's it's games like city where it's a, you know it's a bit fragmented and we're playing on the counter attack where he might look good mm. barely at the weekend it's going to be a different type of test for him a different type of test for everybody um, and, and Jake just probably we do go to a break um, it's going to be a different test for, for Dominic Carvalhoen as well um, you know Burnley are going to sit in not, he's not going to have enough, you know as many one-on-one duels as he necessarily had at the weekend but um, the lad's got four goals in three games looks hungry he's getting into to good positions um, and I think at the moment as, as excited as we are all about Moise Keane Dom deserves to be leading the line for us he does he does but he needs support. He mm. he desperately needs support, as does Moise Keane, as does Tosin if when he when he came on. They they all need support and that's what that one way of playing, going down the flank, crossing it in the first man. What more can he do? You've got to be supporting him. I'd personally I'd like to see Carvert Lewin and, and Moise Keane next mm. to each other and see what they can they can create because I think one can run off the other and create space. Um but I, I don't think I don't actually think that Moise Keane's done enough to be dropped but I certainly don't think that uh, Calvert-Lewin has, has done enough to not be leading the line because he's a natural goal scorer yeah. I suppose as you know mentioned earlier about players sort of setting foundations and not kicking on Calvert-Lewin has done that hasn't he since, since Bournemouth obviously he didn't get on the pitch against Sheffield United mm-hmm. when we were chasing a goal but Scores scores that day. He probably doesn't have his best all-round game in terms of his hold-up play and stuff like that. But he's on the score sheet twice against Sheffield Wednesday. He's backed it up with another good performance against Manchester City. And at least he seems to be building in a team which has you know, got a lot of negative momentum. He's the one who's sort of going in, in the other direction, at least. Well, well yeah, and he's, he's scoring, isn't he? So that that's the main thing. You know, While the team's not... The goals aren't coming from anywhere, really, are they? We're really struggling up front. And he's, he's sort of scoring on the few chances that he gets. I think the, the key at the weekend is we need 
if we're playing three up front, they need to play as a three. Because he, he again, it's he's starting to look a bit isolated. Like he'll get he'll get a flick on and there's no one within about mm. twenty yards of him. So they really need to get that sort of cohesion back up front where they're playing as a proper front three and not as just wide men supported mm. by the fullbacks. Yeah. But yeah, it'd be a tough game for him. Yeah. Pepper's made up of him as well, wasn't he? He was like he loved the best, best header of the ball he's ever seen. Some <laughs> <laughs> praise that, isn't it? Yeah, bracing ourselves for the bid off City in, in January, <laughs> maybe. Um, after, after the break, uh, we'll have a little quick chat about this game, um, focusing on Jordan Pickford in particular. Then it's all eyes on Burnley for the big game at the weekend. We'll be right back here on Radio City Talk. We will be back with your podcast again very shortly. But first, we've got a message about a new app that is changing the culture of gambling by making it social. Who Knows Wins is not a bookmaker's, they are the home of social betting. Once you are set up on their app, you can bet against friends and colleagues on a simple-to-use platform on all different types of sports. It's a great way to rake in the cash from your friends and have a bit of light-hearted chat and stick along the way in the designated conversation section. There are no odds, no bookmakers. This is all about the prediction on the sport and events you pick. The more you know, the more you win. You just set up a league, set an entry fee, choose your matches, invite all your mates in, and you all predict the outcomes of those games or the events. And at the end of it, the person with the most correct predictions wins the pot of money. You can also join preset public leagues with larger pots of money competing against players from across the UK. Here at the Blue Room, we've already set up our league for the weekend matches that, of course, include Everton going to Turf Moor. We've got Brighton versus Tottenham, Liverpool against Leicester and all the top flight games from Saturday. Download the app on the Apple App Store or Google Play. The link to our specific league will be on Twitter and on the website for this show. Just a reminder, it's Who Knows Wins. Download the app on the Apple App or Google Play. And for more information, visit their website at www.whoknowswins.com. We are back for part two of the Blue Room on Radio City Talk. Jake and Les in the studio with me. Uh, we didn't look up the Tim Howard song in the break. I'm sure you all did, but we don't want to know. So don't let us know on social media or anything. Uh, we're happy to go with that version from Jake. Um, like I said before the break, I just want to have a quick chat about Jordan Pickford. Um, Les, any concerns about his form? I think... He will expect himself to save that shot at the weekend. Mm. And th- the biggest disappointing thing for me is that, you know, like Jake said earlier on, it, it felt that at that point in the game that we were really in it. And mm. like we were creating chances, we were catching them on the counter attack. And it felt like it could go either way at that point. So for, for him to just sort of chuck one in, it was just, just, yeah, just it's, dead flat after, after that, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it's frustrating. But I'll, I'll sort of refer to my earlier point about Tim Howard. Keepers are going to make mistakes, you know. Even if it's a, even if it's a pretty rudimentary mistake, like look at um, Sheffield United's keeper against Liverpool, absolute howler. But it's going to happen. So you you, ha- you kind of have to account for things like that. Uh, I know you can't really legislate for it because you're not expecting it, but it does happen. Um, I think the wider issue for me is he, the defense doesn't look as good. So they're not dealing with things as well as they were last season. So going going back to Zuma and Keane again, that defence sort of that last six months really gelled to to become like a solid unit. And Pickford thrived on that because he wasn't having to make as many saves, but everything he was doing, he was doing well. I think now he feels a little bit well. Obviously, can't say because I don't know, but it seems that he feels a little bit more, well, a little bit less protected and. I mean, people were referring to the way he laughed after. Was that after the goal winner? Because I didn't yeah, see it. Yeah, I think Gary Neville was particularly unhappy about it. On yeah, Sky, but you know, yeah. it, it's it's out of context. He might have just been thinking, oh, "I can't believe that's happened." And it's just it's just the reaction. I'm sure he didn't think it was funny that it happened. I don't think that was the point. But that side of his character's coming out again. Like when he's feeling insecure last season against Newcastle, he started acting the clown mm. and a bit like that. So you can see that coming out in his game, and that's a worry just for the team overall. But I think it, it's sort of. It, it's more to do with the defence and his confidence in them um, that he feels maybe he has to take risks and he starts making mistakes. Um, I like him. I, I think he's a really yeah. good keeper. And I heard someone earlier in the week say, what's Jonas Lossel got to do to get a game? <laughs> Which really, really blew me mind. But I think people are too quick to jump on Pickford. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 I'm glad that you said that, really, because I've seen something, uh, a report in the paper, saying uh, uh, about Pickford's loss of form and... I was a little bit. I, I didn't really actually 
think that myself. And, yeah. and then, so I thought, am I the only one who's not seeing it for what for what is happening there? Um, but yeah, I think there's probably wider issues. But that point that you did make, and and we raised it last season uh, at the Newcastle game, that is that part of his of his personality that he does have to, um, you know, keep a lid on. Um, but I certainly wouldn't think I, I haven't seen the laughing thing either. But from one thing that I, I can tell from uh, the way he's been in that club and country is that he loves his job and he mm. he loves being a keeper and stopping goals going in. So yeah. I certainly wouldn't think that he was he found it funny to yeah. to allow a goal to go. In. So I wouldn't question that side of things. Yeah. Um, but there's definitely there's definitely a side and, and a trait of his personality that he does have to kind of you know have a bit of more of a professional hat on, but. Mm. Um, I think he cares. Definitely think he cares, and I think he's a good keeper. Yeah, um, we'll start looking ahead to the game at the weekend then, and well, potential connotations of it uh, before we talk about the, the actual match itself. And in the final part, uh, Dave Sullivan, um, who's, who's been on our, on our uh, shows a few times, has said, regardless of our thoughts slash feelings, if we fall to defeat against Burnley, will the club call an end to Marco Silva's reign? For the record, I will keep Marco in charge. Um, it's it's also got all the hallmarks, hasn't it, Jake? You, you know, I think like Dave's saying there, in regards to our own feelings, it'll be four defeats in a row. Mm. The international break's coming up. You can just imagine the the fan reaction if we do go and, and lose there at the weekend. And you know, obviously we're painting a, a worst case scenario mm. picture here. But do you think he's that close to, to getting the boot or not? Uh, I honestly don't. I I don't think he should be. But I honestly don't think that that they're considering it. Um, maybe maybe I'm wrong there. But I I would be. I would be massively surprised if he was, even if he lost, that he would go. I'd be massively surprised at that. Mm. I don't know how I feel about it. I, I, I don't want to get rid of him um, because yeah, I do think he needs more time. And he sort of had a bit of a disservice, hasn't he? With, like the recruitment in the sun wasn't exactly what he wanted and then he's lost the two main midfielders he was due to play. That's it. He's not played the way he wants to no. play yet, has he? No, mm. but by the same token, I don't think he helps himself with putting out the same team in the same formation when it's not working mm-hmm. you know you get beat against Bournemouth you get beat against Sheffield United you do the same against City you do the same against Burnley it's just a bit mad isn't it mm-hmm. um, for me I think because the defence isn't getting the protection that they had with Garner there I mean this might not agree, appeal to everyone but I'd try five at the back with Holgate to shore it up between Mina and Keane mm-hmm. maybe you know, just try something different, see if that frees up the fullbacks a bit more, you know, try and play a different way. I don't know. I think we did that at Burn last year, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Played yeah. five at the back. So I mean he, he might revert to that. For me though, this game, it, it's one of those tipping points in the season already. If we lose, if we win, we go ahead of Burnley. Mm. If we lose, we go they go five points clear of us and we potentially drop into the bottom three, depending on how other well results go. So it's re- already, it's one of those sorts of crossroads games. It's not with us in recent years. It's kind of been more the top end, hasn't it? We can go fourth and we lose and then we drop off or we can go sixth. This is a bit of a worry for me now because, I mean, any manager losing four games on the bounce is bad news, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose this is sort of the the perils of having, you know, in inverted commas, an easy start. Because yeah. when the fixtures came out, we all sort of looked at it and went... You know, it's, it's it's not going to be dead straightforward, but we should be winning. Mm. You know, at least half of those games, mm-hmm. we should be right up. You know, in among the top six and essentially clinging on to the top four. But sort of, when, if you flip that over, the, the pressure is, is all of a sudden massive. And you know, mm. if, if Everton, have, even if Everton get a draw at the weekend, then you go into that international break of eight points from eight. Jake, it's it still doesn't look great, does it? Given the teams we played, it doesn't. And it's not only the teams that we play, but it's also the fact that this. This league is absolutely terrible mm. at the moment. This league <laughs> is woeful. Like United Arsenal on, on Monday night, I think, was one of those sorts of crystallising uh, moments, wasn't it, for a lot of people? And can, yeah. you've got the likes of Sky, you can try and build it up to be this, you know, this bitter hatred. It, it's not anymore. This league is is, is a two-team league, mm-hmm. and that's the most frustrating thing for me. You look at the games that we've lost and where we could be, and... That's that's the worst bit for me, really, and and I'm not I'm not kind of going to say Marco Silva's fantastic and that the way he's playing is fantastic. I I would just I'd be shocked if he went, and I can't be bothered going through it again. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be bothered going through it again. Um, I, I I I don't see it, but let's just hope that we don't have to actually have that mm-hmm. um, because somebody else is going to have to come in. Somebody else is going to have to try different things. I just I. I think what Les said is right and, and I just I want a manager who 
okay, he's come in, he said, this is how I want to play. Those those players got injured, Garnagay's got sold. That's horrible and, and unlucky. Mm. But you've got to have a manager go, right, okay, so what am I going to do now? Mm. Why, and and yeah. I want a manager who's going to be brave enough to say, I'm going to have to try that because until they're back, I can't play that way. So yeah. let's try different things to, to find a solution. Mm. Uh, yeah, and that, that, can't, that can't be... Uh, be Walker. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, final question before we go to a break and we'll have a chat with Natalie and about the team for the weekend as well. Uh, Jim James has said, any thoughts on the Everton youth team winning leagues and cups but not one breakthrough in years? Is it simply not good enough or a manager who's too scared to take a risk? John Lundstrom being an example. Um, I think this has obviously maybe been born out of the fact Les, the the under 23s are doing really well again mm-hmm. and I think Anthony Gordon in particular is, is a lad that looks like he's got something about him Yeah, um, and people are getting excited about him which is, is, is good to see I suppose yeah he, he does look too good for that level doesn't he? he he like seems to be taking the mickey out of a lot of players there he's scoring some outrageous goals doing some mad things dribbling past players he does look like he's going to be a, a hell of a player um, I think we mentioned before for the Chef Wed game, that he might get a chance there. He didn't, mm. but I think he's got to be there about, doesn't he? It's a good point about the 23s, though, because it's it's been the, the sort of criticism for a while, hasn't it? It's a very good team, but there's no clear path into the first team anymore. I don't know if that's just the way just the way football is now. You, you're working on sort of two tiers there, and you need ready-made players. You, you don't get as much of an opportunity to put your youngsters in because the pressure's so big now. Like, he, Marco Silva can't be putting... Um, really young players into this team yeah, to see how they get on because they'll get slaughtered if they don't do well so and and we're we're already talking about him possibly getting sacked yeah he's yeah. not going to risk yeah. it he's not going to risk it he won't even risk putting Tom Davis in never yeah. mind you know a player who's not played at this level before um but I think I think I think it's a it's a fair point but I think sometimes we can we can almost uh, get a little bit too excited with under 23 players and not realise that step up is absolutely huge. Mm. And someone who can look fantastic in under 23s might not look anywhere near. And you look at look at people like even Ross Barkley and people who've come through that system um, who aren't necessarily, uh, you know, shining, shining examples of it. Yeah, Ross Barkley can't even keep his chips off the taxi floor, can he? Dearie me, Uh, We went well on that for too long. Uh, After the break, we'll hear from Natalie and then we'll get the lads' thoughts on how Everton should line up on Saturday. We'll speak to you very soon here on the Blue Room on Radio City Talk. Final part of the Blue Room here on Radio City Talk. We'll get back to speaking with the guys in a moment, but we are going to be looking ahead to Burnley in this part of the show. And every single week on the Blue Room Extra, we speak to fans up and down the country, fans, journalists, people who just go the game about their respective side. And this week over on Blue Room Extra for our weekend preview show, I spoke to Natalie Bromley from the No Name Never podcast all about the Clarets and what everything can expect from the game at the weekend. Uh, here's a segment from that show. Uh, starts off by asking her about Burnley's transfer window windows when you are a Burnley fan are a horrendously complex subject to try and talk about um, because we have the constant battle between the, the heart of the fan who's getting used to Premier League football we, we love the Premier League now we don't want to go out of it and we're worried about getting left behind we're worried about not pushing on so every single seat every single transfer window we're wanting our, our um, and obviously we've got money that we've never had at Burnley and we're wanting our board to splash out can we have some creative players can we have some flipping speed in this team you know can we have some creativity can we have some wingers and not but Aaron Lennon haven't you Natalie he's, he's pretty rapid it's like we want that so your heart's going oh come on and, and our, our squad's getting a bit older now as well which we've really got to keep one eye on because that could catch up with us very very quickly um so that's that's the heart going and then you, you slightly throw your your, your, what's it called? You dummy out of the pram because it's like we've signed hardly anybody. We've not spent any money, and in fact, not very inspiring signings. Although Jay coming back was very different because of who he is. Of course, he's a local boy and he's come home. Um, for, the, for those of your listeners who don't know, Jay Rodriguez um, was part of Burnley's youth academy. He was born and raised in Burnley. His family all still live there. His mum and dad are still ticket holders at Burnley. So you know, it's it, 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 he, he's part of a Burnley family. So he's definitely come home. Um, so that the whole. I guess, um, emotion behind Jay signing made it probably more exciting than it could have been. But then there's the head, um, the Burnley fan head that then comes to point and you go, well, you look at the state Bolton have been in, Berry have just gone out of business. You know, Bolton just 10 years ago yeah. took Owen Coyle and our entire coaching staff with the claims that they were 10 years ahead of us financially and I find it 
hilariously ironic that just 10 years later, they nearly went out of business. Um, so, you know, we have to, and the board say to us, we don't have any money outside of the Sky TV money. We don't have big stand sponsors. We don't have foreign investors. So we have to be very careful what we're spending. So there's this huge, huge, huge conflict every single transfer window between heart and head. I think we did all right this season. We needed, desperately needed, well, we had to sort out our keeper situation. We, we couldn't have Joe Hart, Nick Pope and Tom Heaton again for another season. That's ridiculous. Mm. That's greedy by anybody's standards. Um, <laughs> so one of them had to go and we knew that. Um, I think it was the right one to go. Tom Heaton's now, what, 33 in his last year of his contract. Nick Pope's much younger and is in the England rank already. I think that was the right way around. Um, we desperately needed somebody else to complement up front and we've got Jay. And then we were all sort of kicking our heels thinking we've got a midfield problem we need to sort out. And then on transfer day, Danny Drinkwater came in on loan until at least Christmas, but we expect it to be all season. So actually, you look at that and think, well, we've now got two players in every single position. So actually, that's more we've mm. ever had. And Deitch doesn't really rotate players. So I think we're probably in as strong a shape as we've ever been. At the start of the season as a whole, then seven games played, two wins, three draws, two defeats. Um, you mentioned there about how at the start of last season that, that lack of time on the training pitch for, for Sean Dice seemed to really have a negative impact on, on the team. Um, has the extra time he's had this summer and going into this season been, been evident in the game so far? Absolutely. Yeah, we look much more like ourselves again. And actually we've had a little bit of freedom as well to try a few things different and buoyed by that confidence that we gained last season and, and some self-belief in some of these players that they actually belong here and, and that they are now getting to be a established Premier League side. We're not a top 10 side, we know that. But I think at the moment, our natural position in the league is probably between 10th and 13th, maybe, um, depending on, on you know how well other teams do. Maybe 10th and 14th is probably more accurate. Um, and you, you know you look at these games and you just think, well... There is a confidence there that wasn't there before. Um, To be honest, I don't really know how this season's going to go. Like Mm. you say, we've had a really good start and with some tough games, I would add as well. Um, I think if we... I think if we keep going where we are, I think we'll probably finish in one of those 10th to 14th spaces and I think that's got to be a pleasing season, I think. I think most people still have Burnley as relegation fodder. Hmm. And I think that the thing which sort of, I think, sets you apart from a lot of those sides in that, that middle third of the league, if you could say, and, you know, I'd include Everton in this, is, absolutely, is that you've got you've got two natural goal scorers up front now and, and two lads who seem to be really developing. Um, Chris Wood is a player I've always liked. I've always thought he was well-equipped for Premier League football, but obviously the man everyone's talking about is is Ashley Barnes. And I, I imagine for you guys, he's just tons of fun to watch every week. Whereas whenever I watch him play against Everton, he's absolutely terrifying and horrible to watch for 90 minutes every week. And you, you just know that every centre off going into a game against Burnley whether it's at Turf Moor whether it's away when this lad's up against them they must absolutely hate every single 90 minutes because he's, he's, he's an utter nightmare to play against whenever I've seen him live he is and, and but do you know what I really love about this the whole story um, he's one of our longest serving players actually is Ashley Barnes and he joined us in the 2013-14 season um, or but essentially the, the, the first season we came up automatically when Leicester won the championship and Burnley came up behind them as um, it was Deitch's first promotion and we came up second in the league um, Leicester run away with it but we, we got up automatic then we um, we had the strike partnership of Danny Ings and Sam Vokes at the time we both got about 20 championship goals each and both of them got injured with about 11 games to go by the end of the championship season so we had no strikers and I think Darch in the summer had got Ashley um, something like 250,000 from Brighton as backup. And he had to come in and play. And I remember he was just all arms and legs and clumsy big off. And he had no skill to him whatsoever. And we were like, Jesus Christ, this guy's not good enough for the championship. Uh, But let's just hope he just, and he just got us one or two goals that just kept us in that automatic position. I didn't think I'd ever see him play again after that season when, until we went up. And he's now one of the most ruthless strikers in the Premier League. To see his journey, and, and actually what he doesn't get credit for is his talent has improved. He's now a good footballer as well. Mm. He's got, he isn't, you know, he is physical and he is hard to play against and he's hard to defend against. But actually his passing and his control of the ball and the chances he creates for Wood 
uh, miles away from where he was when he first joined us in the Championship. And that's the story I like. I would have loved to have seen him get called up to the England squad. He's not going to do, obviously, we know that. But I would love to have seen him get called up to the England squad because I just think that would have been the end of one of the most incredible stories in football, in modern football. He's played in every single league. He's gone from the bottom, from non all the way up. And he's now been talked about to play as an England senior. What a fantastic... Whether you like him or not, that's why you're the Rovers stuff. Like, what a fantastic story. And I love him for that. I love how humble he is still. Is he still eligible to play for Austria? No, he, I think because he knew that he wasn't going to get called up for England ever. He, he explored the possibility. He wanted to end his career by trying to get some international caps. Mm. Something he's not done. It was just something he wanted to achieve in his career. And I think his grandfather's Austrian and he qualified for Austria because I think he played for him in one of the youth teams. Um, so he explored that just because he, he wanted to experience Europe, European qualification, European football. Um, it didn't work out. So he is, he is actually eligible to play for England. He's not eligible to play for Austria. So there was some talk that Southgate was going to pick him for the last squad on his performances um, and his form. But um, yeah, it was a bit scathing with Southgate and he came out and said he was... Uh, it doesn't suit the way that England play, and he's, he's apparently just a second striker off Chris Wood, um, and just feeds off Chris Wood. I was like, really? You spend a lot of time at Turf Moor. That is absolutely not what Ashley Barnes is. <laughs> if anything, Chris Wood is a second striker behind Ashley Barnes. But yeah, it was a bit. It was a bit like, oh yeah, and, and you know, he's not he's not young yet. He's twenty nine now and stuff. It's not really. And I just thought, yeah, there's still that. There's still that slight snobbery there, isn't there, in the England mm. in the England setup? But would have been nice. It's never going to happen. But I just think for him as a character and for the journey he's been on, I think it would have been a fantastic end to his uh, to his career just to get that cap. That would have been lovely. Uh, I've seen he's not actually scored for his last four games. So obviously with the toppies rolling into town at the weekend, it's uh, we we are renowned as the slump busters <laughs> of the Premier League. I think in that regard, so I'm, I'm sure he'll be be absolutely fine there. Uh, just on the game on Saturday, then just, uh, before we wrap it up, uh, I think this feels like a bit of a nightmare game for for an Everton side. Like like you you said earlier, that's sort of lacking in a bit of identity. Don't really know what they are. Uh, is it the sort of match where you're looking at it, rubbing your hands together, thinking oh, we can get at these today with a fast start? Oh, absolutely not, no. <laughs> I don't think this Burnley side ever goes into, I don't think Dash lets them go into any um, games with that attitude. I think there are games that you can go into and say, OK, in the grand scheme of the Premier League, this is a side that we really need to look at collecting points from. Some of the lower-ranking teams at home, for example, they're the ones if you've got aspirations of survival that you've got to pick your points up from. Um, I, I, we were talking about this before we came on air. Realistically, an underperforming Everton um, could still be better, good enough to beat uh, the only side that's playing very well. Um, I think the gulf between us at the moment is getting closer than it ever has been. I think if we played our absolute best performance um, at, at the turf on Saturday and you had an off day, I think we could comfortably beat you. Um, but if we play absolute best football and you guys play your absolute best football, you'll probably win. Um, you know, because that's just the... That's just the food chain of the Premier League. That's that's where we are. Um, I, I won't lie. I'd rather be playing you in the current state of play than than maybe you know mm. either you've been flying start or at some point this season you're going to turn it around. You've got to. You know you won't have this season all the way. You at some point these these problems are going to iron themselves out. So yes, of course I'd rather be playing you now. Um, but from my perspective, we could come off a turf on Saturday and you win five one again and I maybe wouldn't be surprised. But then equally we could win two, three nil and I wouldn't be surprised either. It's, it's a funny game. I'm not I can't really call it. I'm not really sure. Always got to speak to Natalie, like I said, if you want to hear the full version of that, it's over on patreon.com slash Blue Room Extra. Um, Natalie, despite saying that she can't quite predict this one, went on to say Burnley going to win 3-1, so that, that certainly, <laughs> certainly bodes well for us at the weekend. Um, uh, Jake, um, obviously after positives against Manchester City, um, do you think Marco Silva will change much this weekend in terms of his personnel or it'll be very much same again? Uh, I can probably see same again, to be honest. Obviously, Walcott's not going to be playing. He's, is he, I don't even know so. if he's back in training. Uh, I think he's going to be back later this week, they said. Is yeah, he? Yeah. Uh, so, Walcott won't play, so um, you'd imagine that it will be will come in. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he maybe brought uh, Moise Keane back, but I'd probably, I'd probably go with uh, what we saw, but without Walcott because um, I think that he'll keep Seamus Coleman in if I'm being honest with you I think him being captain's making it 
that much harder uh, for them to, to be dropped. I'd say we've got two midfielders to choose from in Delphin Snydland by the look of it. Hmm. Um, so Tom got, Davis, no. I, on the bench. Uh, well, I'd put him in ahead of Snydland, but he won't. Yeah, Because exactly. I'd, I'd put anyone in ahead of Snydland. I just don't think he does <laughs> enough at all, but we won't dwell on that. Uh, but I'd, I'd said before, I'd go 5-2-3. I'd go Give, five, two, three. Five, two, three. Well, we're going to play the two midfielders anyway, aren't we? Yeah. Mm. Play five at the back. Go defensive. Keep it tight. I think, Drop Gilfy. Yeah, probably would actually. Yeah, and I've I've just a, a, like a pretty dynamic front mm. three. Um, because I think the priority for us is to just stop leaking goals. We're conceding way too many goals. Um, and you know, if you don't change the formation or the personnel, what's going to stop that really? Mm. You know, Burnley are going to be like they're going to know where to target us and how to target us, and they'll go for it. And they will, they will try and do it. It's not going to be the same as last season, which I think we were 3 0 up in half an hour, weren't we? Yeah. After three set piece goals, wasn't it? And then they scored, and everyone was panicking. <laughs> <laughs> just before <laughs> half time, I was like, oh, no, here we go. Yeah. But yeah, it's I, Boxing Day, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it was, yeah. Yeah, I went to Brighton the week before. I missed that one, typically. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I would change it like that because we need to stop conceding goals. You can't, you can't get anywhere because we're not, we're not scoring enough goals to warrant the amount of goals we're conceding. Um, hence we're dropping down the table like a stone so I would change it but I don't think he will mm. I think we'll see the same team again I think he knows that a lot rests on this mm. um, yeah. especially with international break coming up as well uh, and and I agree I think if he was to if he was going to put Davis in he would have done it by now he's had opportunities and he hasn't done it I mm. don't think he's going to use Saturday to, to do that uh, so probably same team yeah mm. it feels like I think you're right there. I think you'll know how, how big this one is. I think by the, the nature of the questions you'll get at this press conference this week and, and all that kind of thing, you, you will be aware of how massive this one is. And it feels very much to me with that in mind that he'll, he'll go with the lads who we know that he definitely trusts. And I think obviously, obviously Carver-Lewin falls into that bracket. You know, Bernard, I think he, if he's available, I think he was ill at the weekend, wasn't he? You know, oh, right, he, okay. he knows he'll get work rate off him, mm-hmm. if nothing yeah. else. I think he trusts Sigurdsson regardless of, of his poor form at the moment. And I think that's that's the sort of 11 we'll probably see on Saturday. And I, I was saying this yesterday, Les, on our Subs Weekly show, that I feel as though, well, I don't think there's been signs that he's lost the players yet and even necessarily, you know, you know, you know, lost the dressing room, if you will. Mm. I think this is the type of game where if there's any sort of lingering doubts from the players, there's any sort of the nascent stages of anyone not really fancying this manager, mm-hmm. when you've got James Tarkovsky booting you, you've got Jeff Hendrick <laughs> running around, you've got Ashley Barnes being a, a whirlwind of just angst and knock up front. I think this is the sort of football match where those doubts could come out if Everton aren't playing well. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, players at Everton have definitely got form for down and tools when they just don't fancy the manager. You know, we've seen it time and time again in the last few years alone. So as you say, if this is like, if this is a really horrible football match and the players, it's not going well, the crowd will get on the back quite rightly. Um, And yeah, it could start to unravel quite quickly. It really is a proper tipping point, this game. It feels like it. I mean, so early in the season, but, you know, you, you can't be taking no points from our last four games when you look at the teams we've been playing. I mean, you'd want at least what three? You'd want at least five out of those last four games, at least. So I think it's yeah, it, it, we've got to do something in this game, mm. or it could it could turn pretty sour. Mm. I think I, I agree, but I think with the players, it's either going to be one or the other because at the same time, a lot of those players are his players, mm. and um, it's either going to be that they down to or they actually show up for him, and, and you'd like to think that that's what he's going to actually say to them. You, you, you've got to go out there and play for me here because, and and you can say play for the fans, you can say play for the club, but ultimately, you've got to keep me in the job. Yeah. And if they if they do like him and they do want to play for him, then they've got to be turning up. Hmm. The, yeah. the the frustrating thing for me is, on paper we've got a better team than Burnley, and we say it time and again when a when a, a better team turns up at Goodison, a better team on paper, and they play to their full capacity, they beat us. If we turn up at say Arsenal. They play to their full capacity. They beat us. Mm. We turn up to Burnley. We don't play to our full capacity, so we don't get a result. Well, that's all they need to do. They just need to do the jobs mm. properly. I feel like at Burnley, though, you need... it's it's They sort of make the game like 11 little battles, don't they? Yeah, One-on-one yeah. on one battles all around the pitch. And I think you, you need to... You need to show something in regards to the, the intangibles as well. You know, I'm not really one for saying you know you know where, where everything you've got to puff your chest out and you know do all those sorts of things. But th- this match, it feels like the, 
the teams who win there sort of go there with that mindset of we're going to be in a battle. Mm. And I think while while it's it's different to Man City, I think you go to Man City and you know you have to put effort in because you, you set up all week to defend and chase and harry. Whereas a game like this, I think some players will think of that mindset. Like you said, there we're better than these. We can just yeah. outplay them. Yeah. But I think it's very much sort of you need to do it even more against against a side like this. You need to you? really believe it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You need to you know you need to scrap and battle for everything against these because yeah. these, these absolutely love that sort of thing. Yeah, and it it's easier said than done, though, isn't it? Because I think that's something that's got to be drilled into them as a as a team as a unit for a long time to to believe it. Um, so hopefully hopefully we build on the positives from last week and we and we turn up and we'll all be made up next week but yeah. we're Evertonians go? how's so. it going to go predictions two all I don't know where we're getting two goals from but I think we'll, <laughs> con- but I think we'll concede two I don't want us to get beat two and say two all I don't think we'll win I'm going to go win to two nil that's right Jake yeah. two nil yeah Nice to be free up after 20 minutes ago. Three set pieces as well that year, wasn't yeah. it? I believe, yeah. Penalty, free kick in a corner, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Luca yeah. Dean was on top form there, wasn't he? That's what we need. Now. Yeah. Yeah, he was offered against City, wasn't he? Yeah. Keep. Well, I think I think his, his, his corners were pretty poor, weren't they? He kept it in the first, man. Yeah. Like Sigurdsson's corners, corners were decent, but apart from yeah. that, didn't do much. So, draw from Les. Mm hmm. Weird from Jay, yeah. I'd be a draw as well. It would yeah. be a horrible draw, which we sort of nick a point from later on or something like that. Yeah. And we'll see how we feel about that after and, it and, happens. And for more on that, check out what's the score on our YouTube channel, which will be live tomorrow. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. <laughs> Couldn't agree more of you there, Les. Uh, thanks very much to Jay, to Les, and to Natalie as well. Reminder, if you want to hear that interview in full, it's over on the Blue Room Extra. Uh, we'll be back again. Same time next week here on Radio City Talk for a big inquest and hopefully some jubilant analysis after Everton go to Burnley. Uh, We'll speak to you then. Ready to get your glitter on? Then head to Worlds of Fun Grand Carnival from July 23rd through August 7th for a larger-than-life shimmering celebration. Join the spectacle of color, a dazzling parade of floats, performers, music, and beads that sweeps across the park. And take your taste buds on a world tour while dancing to music after dark. Save over 45% with the Carnival Bundle, which includes admission, parking, and three food tastings. Only at worldsoffun.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.